Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Julianne Bosch, who is a career coach, author, and mother of three adult children. Julianne, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Well, um, a little bit about myself is um, I have been married for 27 years. I've lived on four continents and I've moved 13 times. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So what do I love to do? I love to travel and I love to see the world. That's what kind of fuels my bucket list. That is amazing. (laughs) Oh, married 27 years, lived on four different continents. And what was the other... And I moved 13 times in that 27 years of marriage. So, and not military, I will say. (laughs) I got you. So you and your spouse like to travel, I assume. (laughs) Yes, 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 we do. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Are you about to pick up and move again or are you kind of settled in for the next? Uh, Well, if you could believe because of our job choices, we live on coast to coast. So I live part of the year in California and part of the year in Florida. So right now I'm in Florida, but um, it depends right now kind of where our work is. And so I get the privilege of seeing both sides of the United States. So it's a travel. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I love it. And tell us about your work as a career coach. Sure. I have clients all over the world. That's kind of how I got into coaching is because my network is in the different countries. I lived in Japan. I lived in Mexico City. I lived in Ireland. So wherever I've traveled, I've had kind of a clientele globally and now the United States, which I love. Um, and I got into that because I wanted to help people reach full fulfillment. And what I love about the two of us is it's all about the accountability people peace. And uh, as a mother, I was also very good at putting my thumb on the kids, <laughs> keeping them accountable. So I really enjoy that about your podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, accountability is key. And you know, I've, um, I haven't yet to find a good way to hold people accountable, but there's a certain structure that you have to set up and people have to be willing to be held accountable, which is another thing. Like you can't just hold people accountable who don't want to be held accountable if you're not their parent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I find also people don't want to be coached either unless they come to the table with things to be coached about. So it's kind of the same thing in that. Um, But you got to dance in the moment a little bit with uh, holding them accountable. And and surprisingly, when they're the ones coming up with a piece that they want to be held accountable for, they're uh, quite excited when I say, hey, (laughs) did it happen? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love that. Well, cool. Let's jump into your motivation. I know you said you like helping people kind of reach fulfillment, but what really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Well, I would say, um, I, um, 
moved back to the United States and it was the first time that I had reverse culture shock. And I got into coaching because I really wanted to help people expand, get out of the box of the way they're thinking. And that's what gets me up in the morning is you may see a perspective or of something that's going on in your life as only X. But if I am able to kind of work with you and talk with you and open your eyes to maybe two or three or four or five perspectives that are different than the way you're seeing it, sometimes our our thought process or the way we look at things is minimized. And because of that, it has made me kind of like a adventurer in, back in my own country. Um, <laughs> and so I think that's what brought me into this space a little bit. Um, you know, I was overwhelmed. I went to the grocery store and it's like 200 cereals. I'm like, how do Americans choose, you know? <laughs> and so <laughs> I was used to like living in Japan and we were lucky if we got granola, you know? And so it was just, um, I think I had that reverse um, look and what gets me back to waking up in the morning is providing value to people. I mean, we had so much chaos in the world with pandemic, with war going on. And even more so is seeing uh, young people just needing options, perspectives that are different than the way they're thinking of it, because they've had to do that. They've had to do online learning. They've had to, um, you know, work through Zoom and do things that are just not the norm. And so that challenged me to keep curious and keep learning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when you say reverse culture shock, is that like you were, did you, were you born in the U.S.? Yes, I was born in the U.S., but I've been living out of the United States for so long. And I came back and I was like, whoa, you know, like this is not what I thought the United States was. I was coming to the United States for holidays. And then when I was, you know, challenged to come back here and live here, um, you know, I really had to cement my feet and figure out who I was. And that was daunting. I'm like, I am an American. I am here. You know, what? why am I having so many problems? Whereas when I went to Japan, it was just a known, or when I was in Mexico, it was like, Hey, you've got to jump in. You've got to do those things. And I was expected to, to perform a certain way. And when I came back to the United States, I was like, I know this, but I didn't really know it. Um, it was different. So. Yeah, absolutely. That is so interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, cool. Helping people get out of the box of the way that they're thinking is kind of really a passion point for you. What are some typical ways that you are typical questions you ask to open up your client's perspective? Um, well, recently, I, you know, I, I, I think why we met is um, because I wrote this book, I, I was turning 50. And I find a lot of people are going through their kind of midlife or a change of, you know, career or wherever that may lead them. And I thought to myself, a big piece is journaling. And what do I want? A lot of people just don't even start right there. It's like, what do I want? And when I was turning 50, I wrote this book, How a Mother Took Her First Step on the Moon, because I wanted people to take a first step. What do you want in life? And write it down because nine times out of 10, when you write something, you start believing that. And um, so with my clients, I go through a series of assessments and, you know, journal questions, probably like you do. And we kind of get down to the nuts and bolts of what is my life purpose? What do I want to accomplish on this earth? I want to slide in dirty and dusty. I don't want to just prance <laughs> there, you know? And so um, I think when I wrote my book, it was for intention of myself at that time 
you know, I was turning 50. That's half of a hundred. I was like, holy crud, half of my life is already completed. What, what did I do? I did a great set of things at that first 50, but dang, I want to make the next, you know, couple decades even more impactful. So um, I, I always start with what a person wants. What are you trying to get to? Because if you don't have that goal, if you don't have that vision board set in front of you, um, coaching is not going to do anything. How are we going to get there? What are the problems? Um, so that's kind of where I start with a lot of curiosity. Yes, yes. I love that. Clarity. Oh, my gosh. Clarity is like number one. Because <laughs> without it, you're just going nowhere. It's like right. just a boat on the sea, just taken by the waves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it doesn't give you that ability to kind of get through the fog. I think we get pressured by our own um, insecurities, our own weight of things that happen to us and friends or people that influence us. But if you don't have that career career or life purpose, then it, it is a lost cause in some ways because you're, you're kind of throwing darts at no board at that point. So yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And so when it comes to um, clarity, I also find that once you get like clear on what you want, it's typically like pretty simple to figure out how to get there or how to deal with the problems. And then it comes back to like mindset and beliefs you have or those insecurities or those barriers because action is like, it really is just action. Like, most of the time you can do it. Uh, yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't know if there was some, somebody, I, God, I think I read, you know, she came up with this wonderful thing of like doing a countdown, like five, four, three, two, one. And you, Mel Robbins. Off, right? yes, Mel Robbins. And I, you know, I look at that and it's like that first like propeller to get you out of bed or that first, first propeller to take that step. Um, but I really think too is, is asking advice like you're doing. You talk to all these people or asking that network of people and getting people's advice and also recrafting that for what best works for you. You don't need to recreate the wheel. There are books, there are podcasts, there are TV shows. There are things that um, set you up for success but recraft those things and, and make a list of what's important to you. Like me, I, you know, we talked about books and I, and I wrote to you, I always start with um, like a stoic quote in the morning to kind of get my mind like pensive because sometimes I just get up and I get moving. Um, but it's like, give yourself a thought for the day and do that every day, repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. And it's, it's the basics, you know, you go back to the basics of things. So Absolutely. I love it. Well, now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. Okay. So what's your vision for your career and your life? My career is I hope to uh, expand globally even more because I feel like I've tapped into cultural differences with um, the way a European looks at life compared to an Asian individual compared to a Latin American person now to an, an American person. Yeah. Um, so my vision for my work is to expand my network and have like a multicultural um, coaching experience because that's like charges me. And my dream is, is all of these wonderful uh, new clients that I meet. I love to expand myself like this Christmas I am paying for the five of us 
to go to Peru and hike Machu Picchu. It's been on my bucket list forever. And I'm doing it this year because of my practice. And so it gives me a graciousness and a gratitude to those clients. Like, thank you for making one of my visions come true is to be able to take my family and do um, something like that, um, which has been a dream for me. So I, I use my practice to fuel my future um, and whatever that may be. And the list is long because the, the globe is expansive, but it also makes um, it makes the world small and homey. You know, when when <laughs> we were going through the pandemic, my friends in in, uh, in Europe would call me and I just met with them um, two weeks ago and we did 10 years ago, 180 K hike. And we met and we did half of that hike because we weren't as in shape, but um, it, it was super cool to have a Dutch, a British and a, um, and a Swiss lady and myself doing uh, something we did 10 years ago. So I am super grateful and gracious to those experiences. Um, and I feel like when your practice has that um, global perspective, that's the way the world is going right now. I got you. I got you. So yeah. expand the career coaching practice globally. And do you see yourself um, hiring on more people and scaling that way? Or is it going to be more like small knit group or maybe just you with your clients? No, I would love a, a boutique kind of uh, situation. Right now I have a peer group of people that I work with. We call it our dojo. <laughs> and um, because I encourage people to, when you meet somebody to be coached, I want you to interview me. And if we get along and we have a, a tight knit relationship, um, then I take you on as a client. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes, you know, I, I have somebody that we just don't mesh. We don't. And I'm happy to refer you out to my dojo, to my to my network that I work with. And, um, you know, for example, I was not fluent in Korean and I have somebody that is. Um, and so I happily referred that person to them because they do speak English. But Korean is really important because there's sometimes words that don't translate. Um you know, I, I work with a lot of Hispanics and I speak Spanish, but um, again, I have a, another group that also speaks Spanish. So for me, I think it's uh, your quality of coach. So keep interviewing your coaches, because if you're going to pay the money to spend that time with them, um, interview. So yes, multiple coaches and I have a boutique uh, kind of clientele. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So if there were one or two people you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help you? Um, for me, I think uh, I want to just keep expanding that circle. Um, I would love to do um, company retreats. Um, you know, I've done a couple. But that would be something that would be really exciting to me. Um, and if I could meet some person, um, I would love to meet the person that uh, coordinates um, public speakers. Because I love meeting people that are able to go up and talk about a range of different um, topics to an audience and in nine minutes or less give you value. 
Um, so those are the two people like I'm on the quest to find that platform, whether it's a TED talk or something like that. But I think it's, it's a really um, unique way right now for people to gather information quickly. So when you say meet the person that coordinates public speakers, are you saying like basically a person who knows a bunch of public speakers that can do that, who has a platform for them to come speak on? Like, Yes, yes, I would love that because I do a lot of um, small corporate public speaking on, public, on um, motivation and um, for example, job loss, that type of thing. Um, I would love to just to talk on um, what is compassion in a, in a job? When, when, you, when you in the old days heard of somebody that sat down and said how that person treats a waiter or something, we don't have that opportunities anymore. Usually you're interviewing over Zoom and things. Well, give me you know a group of speakers that can talk about um, interviewing right now in the modern century of how that looks over Zoom funny things that you've done. I, I would love that kind of stuff to be exposed a little bit more to a broader um, out of the box way of, of reaching people. And I feel like right now we wanna be entertained. <laughs> so I wanna watch you on a Zoom or on a Netflix show of cool public speaking if I wanna tap into that. So it's like you. recipes. <laughs> you should, uh, do you have a podcast? I do not, but I, I interview on a lot of podcasts, but you, I, I uh, am bowing uh, slightly to you because it's a lot of work. I give you guys a lot of credit. <laughs> it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. I will say I have cut down my work uh, portion of it to as little as possible. And I'm very much, do you know who Gary Vee is? Yeah. yeah. I'm very much on the Gary Vee's sentiment of... <laughs> kind of imperfect posting as opposed to perfect posting. So for the longest time, I wasn't going to do my podcast because I, I was like, I don't want to learn how to edit. I don't have the money to pay somebody to edit all this stuff. And I was like, what if I just didn't edit? <laughs> so I just don't edit my podcast now, unless there's like a like 30 second, 15, 10 second pause because of a Wi-Fi glitch. I'll like cut that out real quick. Other than that, though, I don't really edit. And um, I've also made systems where it's like, I'm really only spending six, seven, eight hours a week on the podcast. So, and it's daily, which means I think you can start your podcast is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> about, I hear this challenge. There's always a challenge in there. <laughs> about about this topic, right? Like about compassion in the uh, workplace or interviews. And you could do like once every two weeks and it would just be, you get to have a conversation with somebody who's cool. Yeah. I think they're fun. Well, I uh, I just got on an app that is basically like podcasts like this. So I come on and I meet a ton of different people. And it, right now that has filled my, it's like the dating app of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of laugh because I have met the coolest people. Like uh, yesterday, I got interviewed by a gentleman that was sitting in a deer hunting hut. And <laughs> he talked to me um, about my book. He talked to me about my coaching practice. I would have never had that opportunity to meet him. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, it's just like meeting you. I mean, these are um, moments that make impressions that are memorable in your life because it's unique opportunities to have a conversation. Whereas 
10 years ago when, you know, I was doing this, there's no way I would be sitting here talking to you. So I think in just this space of podcasts, it's super cool and hats off to you because I, I just know it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a decent chunk. Well, awesome. Yeah. So keep expanding the circle, meet the person that coordinates public speakers. And would it be to also get you some public speaking gigs or just to meet other public speakers? Uh, yeah, I would love to do more public speaking. I, you know, I had a former life with a, um, around the world with a company that um, progressed women to be in the workforce more. And I think that that is part of it. If you can get up and tell your story in two minutes to a crowd or eight minutes to a crowd, I think that is impactful. It, it, it helps the younger generation. That's another kind of quest of mine is, is helping the younger generation to know that there are people that are there in their corner to um, possibilities. Like I just, I feel like you guys have so much um, junk that is put on you that I never had at your ages. And, and so instead of um, stifling your creativity, I'm like, tell me more and express it more to me and show me how you're doing that. How did you get your podcast down to, you know, every day you're doing it, but not editing to that, you know, like that stuff to me is super cool because I will say that that is what my children have taught me is that it's, if you're not constantly learning and you're not constantly getting out there and doing things a little bit differently, you're going to get left behind. And I want to be that cool grandma or great grandma. That's like, Hey man, I want her in the corner. I want her having those conversations with us. And I think that's what I do naturally in my business. But at the same time, um, if I can have younger generations talking to me, then I'm going to be learning. I'm going to be constantly being a part of the it crowd of knowing what I am. And if I do public speaking, then you're going to want to listen to what I have to say yeah. <laughs> because I am in touch with it. So um, I would be honored. So I love it. Okay. Public speaking gigs for sure. Just curious. So being a coach, I'll, at least in my experience, I have coached some people one-on-one, -on -one, tried some group stuff, hasn't taken off quite like I wanted it to. But what I found is that the most important thing is asking questions. First, mm -hmm. do you agree with that? Do you disagree? How do you feel about that? Completely, completely. It's not about you as a coach. It's about your client. And I think if you don't ask questions, if you don't get curious about what's going on in their life, you have zero credibility as a coach. So ask, ask, and ask, and ask, because, um, it's an intimate relationship that you've created with your client. And I think it's really important that you um, hold a safe space for them to like get it out and have somebody to not judge them, but at the same time to, to be curious about what's going on in their life. Because how many times do you go and you want to tell your friends something and all they do is talk about themselves and you didn't tell them what was happening in your life. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, my quest always as a coach is I ask a lot of questions and hopefully I don't talk about myself because it's not about me. That time is for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was going to say, it's a great skill to have when going into wanting to be the cool grandma, the cool great grandma, because when you can ask, people love to talk about themselves. Like you just yeah. ask them a couple of questions and they'll get rolling. But my question to you is in everyday conversation, I've been running this podcast for a bit now. I've done a decent number of interviews, not as much time-wise, but very intensely for about seven, eight months. 
And I'm always in asking questions mode. And so often I'll be in just social situations and all I do is ask questions. And then people are like, why are you interviewing me right now? <laughs> I'll be like, it's just, it's just what I do. And, and do you find, do you find that it's, uh, it's people don't want to talk to you when they feel like they're asking you, you're asking a lot of questions or do you feel like so they're I, open? I think they're open generally because I, you know, I have a decent smile um, and I can smile even when I'm like not feeling a smile and I can like make people feel loved and make people feel heard just because A, I literally do care about them, but B, I prioritize that care over how I'm feeling. And so when I take that into the conversation, I can kind of let people let their guard down around me. However, um, it's also based on the types of questions I ask and how quickly I go there. So I often love to have the conversation about dreams and goals and accountability, hence the podcast. And so in social situations, the first time I'll meet people, I'll ask them if there was one thing you could do in your life and you knew you wouldn't fail, what would it be? Because typically fear is holding people back from something. And um, then they say that thing. And then the next question is typically, well, what's stopping you? And then we can get into a conversation after that. Um, so if I go really intense like that, depending on the type of person they are, they'll get defensive and they'll be like, why are you interviewing me? That's the only time I've really gotten that question. But usually I'll throw some softballs out there and then kind of gradually lead up into the dreams and goals conversation. Yeah. And I find, too, that um, it also depends on the space that you're asking all these questions. Yes. I mean, if you're in a bar or <laughs> if you're you know, in a restaurant and you're meeting a social group of 10 people that have already you know, kind of, you know, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, it's a little different. So I am sure that that's the way, you know, it just depends on some girls, like he's asking me a lot of questions. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but it's also refreshing. I, I feel like um, because we were kind of boxed in for so long, we, we now value the relationship and the conversation. So you probably are refreshing. And I hope more and more people get out there and have a coaching mindset when they're going to a bar or going to meet people, because it's actually kind of cool because it's like, you're, you're going to find stuff out that's not on your phone and it's not on um, what we assume somebody's going to say or do or think. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is like, my assumptions are always wrong. You know, it's like, Oh my gosh, this person is completely cool and totally different from what I assumed they were. So it keeps you open. All those questions keep you totally open and you do have a great smile. So that does help. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I really like what you said about um, being able to find out something that's not on your phone. Cause literally that's the only thing we can't access on our cell phone, that human connection and that like their personal stories. And that's kind of like what makes the world go around, you know? Yeah. And I think when you meet somebody and if they ask you, why are you interviewing me? then that's what you say is because I want to find a personal connection with you. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Wow. Thank you for today. This is so great to, to brainstorm coaches, my like, like-minded coaching. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And our okay. first question is your, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Um, you had me really thinking about this and I wanted to pop one out. It's with Robert De Niro in it. And, uh, he did one, uh, with a guy, um, wait, who's Robert De Niro? 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, but it was French and it was called Inseparables. And I tried to find it here in the United States, but basically um, he hired um, a man that uh, was not the norm of a caretaker and he was completely uh, paralyzed from the chest down. And it was a movie and it was how he changed perspectives for this gentleman and how he was supposed to do a job. And he made him laugh and have fun. And um, I think when you asked me that question, my father passed away and today is his birthday. Um, and he was paralyzed from the chest down. And so that's why it's my favorite movie because um, it sparked me to say, I don't know what people are, are going on in their brain. And um, if I have these different perspectives of how to present information that are just different, um, it opens you up to fun and you, life should not, should not be boring. It should yeah. be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Oh, this one, this one was easy for me. Um, <laughs> in Japan, literally outside every um, uh, train station is foot reflexology. And okay. um, it's like not a thing in the United States, but there it's like you're constantly walking and working and walking and working. So they think nothing of going in and having 20 minutes of somebody pushing on the bottom of your feet. So when I really want it, I, I, I schedule it once a month, but sometimes I will admit it's like an every other week thing for me now. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah. But so it's like you can get some foot reflexology here in the U.S. Like, I can, oh, yes, yes. And uh, I, I ask you to go and research it and and go have it done because every spot in the bottom of your feet reflects on somewhere in your body, like gut or back or shoulder pain or whatever. And it is if they're really good with 20 minutes of pushing on your feet, they can alleviate an ache or whatever. And I can tell you it is fascinating to me really? <laughs> and I love it yes <laughs> if they are really good a foot reflexologist can do magic for you and you don't have to like spend hours and hours of it getting done to you so I am a foot reflexology junkie <laughs> that's how I take care of myself there we go there we go I'm really gonna have to go try that out I love it yeah yeah and what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to Keep expanding your circle or meet the person that coordinates public speakers. Um, I have challenged myself to uh, have those conversations that I normally wouldn't. So I talk to everyone and I have a little bit of DNA in me that's Irish. <laughs> so I like my kids now are just like, oh, my God, mom, you're like talking to this guy in an elevator. You're talking to I always um, I start with a compliment. I'm like, hey, great day out there that's a nice shirt from simple that people want to talk to you. And I've had the most um, interesting conversations and met the most cool people just by talking right now. And I, I think that's how I will meet that public speaker or somebody that will put me in touch with the people I need to meet. I think that's called destiny. Maybe. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, now we're going to jump into our final series of questions. And these weren't on the uh, question sheet I sent you before. So okay. answers like, I don't know, or I'm just going to take a pass on that. Completely fine. Totally perfect. 
And they also require a bit of pretext. So stick with me. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change. The catalyst that helps people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, have anything to add or subtract? I agree. And I think it's inspiration. Um, You are inspired by people. You are inspired by um, a need that is missing in your life. That's why, you know, the Kardashians have millions of followers. People think they need something and then they follow that person. If I am inspired to... um, go try sushi for the first time because I see it by somebody else. You're open to it. Foot reflexology. You're like, Hey, maybe I'll try that. She's smiling. She looks happy. I want to be a little bit more happy. So I I feel inspiration is what keeps that growth mindset going. I want to open myself up to, to trying something differently. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think desperation, a lot of people will say that desperation is a bigger catalyst for change, but I don't think it's sustainable. Like, no, I think you can get desperate and you may be able to take a flurry of action really quick and make a sudden change. But if you act off desperation, I feel like the stress from it and the like inability to sustain it will kind of lead to something not great. Yeah. And I found, you know, uh, when I'm desperate to please my clients, when I'm coaching, it never comes out that they get value when I am inspired by them and their story they get things that I never even saw after we hang up and the coaching magic happens between that time and the next time. And that is what keeps me going to stay curious is to be inspired by their story and what is um, possible for them. And repeatedly what I get told is because I allow them an hour because my, my coaching sisters, I allow them an hour to brainstorm how they can be more inspired or be more, um, go from good to great is, is something that we always hear, but how to be that. And, you know, I love that little tone of the inspiration makes me 1% better every day. doesn't have to be like, if I want to lose weight, I have to go to the gym and pound it. It's, you know, I went for a five minute walk and I heard birds today that inspired me to get up tomorrow and go for that five minute walk and do yeah. it again. So those are the accountability pieces. It's like, Hey, if I do that 1% better, I'm inspired to do it again. There we go. I love it. And given the same amount of inspiration or desperation, why do you think some people make the choice to change and others don't? I think we are all given lots of choices. 200 cereals in a grocery store. Um, A person has to take that leap of faith, that you know, first step on the moon, as I wrote, um, there's fear, you know, when I, when I think about Neil Armstrong, he did something that was not done by other men and he took a step and something that was scary. Life is scary. We don't know, but when we're inspired, I think, um, that choice to do it is like, yeah, yeah. I want the zest. I want that little extra spark. I want that magical moment. Um, when you're in that desperation mode, there's not, there's not much juice. There's not a lot of fun. 
And um, when you want fun and when you're inspired and when your heart is happy, you're like, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to try that again. That, that was successful. I didn't, you know, I didn't change the world. I didn't, you know, drastically do things, but wow, that felt really good. And it sometimes it's just that good feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love it. Well, our next question is that some people need a smaller amount of desperation or inspiration to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. What do you think establishes that breaking point and can it be influenced? Um, I love this because I, you know, I reflect on the clients that I currently have and I have like go-getters and they have a lot of inspiration. And sometimes they're, I'm just like, whoa, you know, and, and then I have ones that are just like baby steps, but yet it amazes me in when they write at the beginning of the year, their goals, they each make, make it there in their own progress. So whether you're a fast one or you're a slow one, I feel like we have to have a little bit more um, compassion for the process because you may do things differently. I, I don't do it that way. Um, so reflect on when you're in team situations or reflect on when you're doing things and, and you want more that it's your process, it's your path. And it may take you a little bit differently um, than that person that kind of is type A and intense and all the time, um, it's your success, it's in, internal. And that's the way I kind of look at it because I have both clients and I, I'm the same way, I'm totally type A. I like things a certain way, but then I had three children that are all three different. <laughs> yeah. And um, I can't, I can't prescribe the same pill for each one of them. And I have to kind of let a process go. So keep doing that for everyone. If you can say, okay, I'm going to have the compassion because this guy can do something nine times at, you know, at the same time. Whereas this lady can only do two things at a time. Um, but I respect both processes because it's, it's how we are unique. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, just kind of their personal definition of internal success and how their personality kind of lends them is what establishes that breaking point for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to celebrate it a little bit more, we don't champion each other enough. I think that's a big one for me right now is just to, to start championing a little bit more, uh, the growth, <laughs> yeah. uh, that growth process possibility so you know and how to win friends and influence people like the first rule that he goes over is like don't criticize condemn or complain and when you take out those three criticizing condemning and complaining like really all that's left is to celebrate <laughs> like there's not much yeah. left to do and so it's like man we really could all celebrate each other a bit more yeah and you know we never show up to a party or an event and be like Oh, well, I don't like the napkins. I don't like the, <laughs> you know, I don't like the, the stemware. You're like, I'm here. The music's good. I'm enjoying. I love the people that are here. I'm dancing. I'm enjoying the food. You go for the party mindset. And I think, you know, we, we stopped doing that somewhere along the way of, of telling our stories and enjoying each other's stories. It's, you know, I think our ancestors kind of kept telling stories and we kept carrying those little pieces down but we forgot that they were celebrating kind of what happened in the past. So 
celebrate those things that you did in the past because that's what got you to where you are right now. And then look forward to it and say, all right, <laughs> or, you know, Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. You know, <laughs> like, you know, what am I going to do next? So he also said something that I loved is he's always chasing that hero he wants to be, and he's yeah. never going to reach that hero. I think he did some, some podcasts that I was listening to, but I really love that too, because we're never going to be that ultimate person that we envision ourselves. But as long as you're keeping chasing after that and celebrating that and championing it, you know, I look at the things that I did three months ago and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I got here because I did those three things, you know, three months ago. Um, so I, I, I love it the way you described, I, I'm going to kind of tell you to push those three C's out, out the window <laughs> and celebrate more. This C is really important. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And our last question for this question, I kind of want you to keep in mind a person who has a fixed mindset, they're not willing to accept help, and they're not willing to accept change. So in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind, and the avatar I just told you to kind of keep in your head, how can we, you and I, create an environment that makes it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying for that avatar to make the choice that will change their life? I'm going to go back to stay curious why they think the way they do. Yep. Because we're exposed to that every day. <laughs> and if their mindset isn't going to change, be curious to understand the other side of the story. Because you believe that the way they are is not a mindset that is moving or changing, but they may be very pleased in that. So stay curious so you understand why they are pleased with the way they think. There we go. I love it. Well, Julianne, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Yes. I want to ask you a question. Go for it. <laughs> if you were doing public speaking for me, what would your topic be? If I were doing public speaking for you, what would my topic be? I think it would be success as a moral obligation. And I think it would be that because I have this metaphor in my head that has kind of convicted me kind of throughout my life. It's kind of what keeps me going. It's what gets me up and keeps me going every day. <laughs> um, but it's the idea that if you see a person and they're kind of like on the edge of a cliff, they're about to fall off and you're standing at the cliff and you know that you can help them but you choose not to because it's scary or it's hard or it's this or it's that, and that person dies, do you feel like you were morally obligated to help them? I personally say yes. I think a lot of other people would say yes. I'm sure there are some people that would say no, and that's fine. But I think it's similar with success. Like we could all, I think we're all really focused on ourselves. I think we're all really focused on ourselves because we're kind of living at that baseline hierarchy of needs where we still have to worry about food, shelter, water, and safety, like we just do. For the majority of people in the world, we have to worry about those things. And if we didn't have to worry about those things, we'd be able to turn around and be a little less selfish and help other people. And that's why I think success kind of is a moral obligation. It's from Grant Cardone, he says it in the 10X rule, he sees success as a moral obligation. And I really resonated with that because it gave me words to the metaphor that I had in my head. I'm like, oh no, this is a moral issue of like, 
I need to be the best that I can be so that it helps others be the best that they can be. And success looks different for all people. Like I'm not saying get a billion dollars, like maybe success for you is making 50,000 a year at a job you're happy at. And then you can spread that happiness to other people. Like that is a very real uh, manifestation of what I just said. So, but success has a moral obligation. You can clear on what you want, living it out and just being a joyful, happy person. I think that's what I would talk about, how serious that is. Uh, as you say, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You know, somebody, somebody called me out. I have two phrases. It's either awesome or I love it to really move the conversation along. <laughs> no, but I do. I love it. I, I can't wait for the, whatever that platform is, that TED Talk. I will say I knew him when. And we talked about it and here he is. He's talking about success or a moral compass. I love it. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, Julianne, thank you so much for asking me that question. Do you have any other thank questions you. you want to ask me? Not right now, but I, I am encouraged that I am going to be accountable and I'm going to check in with you in a couple of months and I'm going to see how that's progressed for your public speaking. So I go. hope you will allow that. Yeah, of course, for sure, for sure. Yeah, since we're now LinkedIn buddies, I encourage all of us, you know, I, I love to uh, chat with people and meet people on LinkedIn and, you know, I'm on my website as well. So I love it. So there we go. Well, Julianne, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Julianne had to say, make sure to pick up her book, her website, and her LinkedIn profile will be in the show notes. Contact her, hit her up celebrate life with her. As we always ask, go ahead and shoot this podcast over to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.